Hi, this is Doug Kay, the co-host of All About the Gear, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Photomatics, the easiest way to create stunning HDR photos. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by the brand new TWIP School. You can check it out at school.thisweekinphoto.com. This is TWIP, episode 477, Embrace and Extend. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So, by that measure, Instagram is throwing flattery all over Snapchat these days. Instagram, a leader in social photo sharing, has pretty much copied Snapchat's stories feature. But does it matter? Facebook has unsuccessfully attempted to acquire Snapchat several times. Is this new save-as style product development tactic the internet giant's way of acquiring Snapchat without spending a dime? Also, a photographer is suing stock image giant Getty Images for $1 billion. This after receiving a threatening copyright infringement accusation from the company about one of her own images. It's Monday, August 8th. 2016, and this is TWIP. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me to discuss some uh, concerning stories this week, I'm joined by two of my good friends, Miss Sarah Franz from FranzPhotographers.com and Mr. Doug Kay from TWIP's All About the Gear Show. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank Hello. you. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so used to hearing Sarah's voice on the podcast <laughs> when I'm in the car, and now I get to see her. This is a big thrill for me. Sarah, Sarah's awesome. She's got that voice. She's got the voice. Well, cool. This is going to be good. So, Sarah, before we dive in, you have you haven't been on in a while. I like to catch up and figure out what part of the world you've been crushing lately. What's what's been yes. going on with France photographers? Um, well, it's, we're heavy in wedding season, so we had a big Indian wedding this last weekend, which was great and incredible. And we had um, one of the girls that I have done a one-on-one mentorship came out from from Alaska uh, to shoot with us. So that was really fun. And we are still building our team in Austin, Texas. So we're located in San Diego, as you know. But we just opened a new location in Austin, and um, we are actually currently looking for two more photographers in that area, too, to kind of fulfill our, our trifecta of three amazing female photographers. So um, I'm excited. We've been meeting some really good prospects and um, a lot of great venues and a lot of great uh, other vendors out there. And it's been so fun to build out another city. I'm just like... I'm like a kid in a candy store every time I go out there. <laughs> I love it. I want to get to Austin. I have not. I've I've heard so many good things about Austin, but I have not had the opportunity to go there. And the Indian weddings. Bruce Clark, uh, who you know, who's, who has who hosts Twip weddings and also does show notes for this show. He uh, was telling me that he shoots Indian weddings from time to time. Never been to one, but I hear that they are not like like your your sort of Christian weddings in terms of duration 
Are they? I hear they're really short. Is that true? <laughs> no, they're actually really long. But yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I you're being you're being silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they are very long. But this one wasn't really wasn't really as long. I actually did one that was a mix a mix culture, and it was two and a half hours. That was the long. Ooh. That was still the longest ceremony I've shot to date. I think this one was was perfect. It was it was beautiful. Really great ceremony, but definitely they are a little bit on the longer side. They always provide like a lot of water, and people like get up and walk walk around sometimes during it. It's yeah. very like easy flowing, easy going, and there's so many cool things about their culture that I just love. I, I love Indian weddings. They're maybe um, that's Hindu the secret. Weddings, maybe 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 weddings in other cultures would marriages would last longer if they had longer weddings. Okay, you know? <laughs> maybe that's what we're missing. It's the <laughs> length of the ceremony determines the length of the marriage. But, like the but divorce rate is two percent <laughs> in that in that culture versus fifty percent in California. Yeah, I um, mean. You are right. I don't. I don't think I see divorced families very much when I when I do those weddings. Not to say it doesn't happen, but um, they definitely it definitely is a th- is a thing for sure. But they are yeah. just so beautiful and so much fun, and um, they usually sometimes involve like horses and elephants and just so many cool wow. things. It's amazing. It's yeah. like Cirque du Soleil or something going it on. It is. <laughs> it's great. I'm still waiting actually for an elephant that's like, I know I've talked about it before. It's like one of my life goals is to is to shoot a wedding with an elephant. So if you're having an elephant in your wedding, please call me. <laughs> very, very cool. Or contact her through francephotographers.com. <laughs> yeah, that was like a uh, commercial. Thanks, Frederick. Shameless plug. Shameless plug for my good friends here at France. My other good friend, Mr. Doug K. Doug, you are like you're like a game of Pong bouncing between the United States and Cuba. What's <laughs> how did we catch you on a United States kind of bounce? It's really you, you caught me, but you know why? Because it's hot in Cuba right now. Yeah. And I'd rather just stay here and have some nice Cuban rum. Thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, – see, I've been there twice in the last few months, six months. And I've got – in fact, I'll make a plug here. I still have two more slots – a few more slots open for my workshops in Cuba in January and March. So head over to DougK.com if you want to join me in Cuba. But nice. I, I want to say that, Sarah, I wonder how many times when you've got a prospective client that they ask you – what percentage of your, your clients end up divorced within five years? <laughs> Maybe it's the photographer. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I think I have a really great percentage. I, I think I'm really, really high. Every time I talk to my couples, they're still married, and I'm like, yes. Yeah. There'll be like randoms here and there. I'm, I'm Maybe it is a secret. You have to have uh, me photograph your wedding in order to, to I, stay together. I think that's it. And I think having doing more Indian weddings can only improve your odds to keep your percentages up. Yeah. France and Indian together. There you go. (laughs) So anyway, Cuba, 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 Cuba. I'm off to uh, Paris next month with our good friend Valerie Jardin. I'm going to be in Paris. And Valerie does a show that I've heard of. I have too. What is it called? What's it called? Oh, Street Focus. Ah, yes, that's it's the it. other. That's it's it. the other Voltron show on the network. Right. Yes. So uh, I'll be with Valerie in Paris, then New York, then Cuba, then back to Hawaii, then back to Cuba again, and back to Cuba again. And uh, why do you even own a own a home, Doug K? Why Why don't you just like get rid of the home, 
rent some place right. and bounce around the world. I right? should, I should just move. I should move to Miami, where it's cheaper to get to Cuba, shouldn't I? There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, you've, got, you've already I'm, got the you got the skin tone coloration for Miami right now. I mean, right. Looking, well, some people are asking. Pretty healthy I know there, man. You're you're going to Vietnam. I've had a number of people ask me to do workshops in Vietnam, yeah. and I know you're going. Or have you gone? I forget. I lose track. Yeah, that's, that's I am. Oh, uh, in November, I'm yeah. going for my birthday. Actually, that's right. So Happy I'm gonna, birthday! Going to party, party in Hanoi for Frederick's birthday in mm. November. So. And that's the other, so awesome. The other yeah. city, I, I, I've never been to Hong Kong. I want to go there. I want to do some street photography in Hong Kong. Yeah, me too. Oh. I want to get to Hong Kong. I want to get to Shanghai. I want to get to Madagascar. I haven't been to Australia yet. I've been to New Zealand, but not Australia. I want to get to Iceland. There's so. The planet is so big. There's so many places to go. I know. The planet is so small at the same time. I want to go to Thailand really bad right now. It's on my list. Oh, yeah. That's on my list, too. Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. All right. You guys are depressing me again. I need to. Sorry. I'm getting getting wanderlust. When this happens, you know, they're going to disappear. I'm going to start, you know, traveling again. But I am going to Mexico. Uh, I'm scheduled to go to Mexico. When is it? Oh, Saturday. So this coming Oh my god. It's coming Saturday. I'll be in Copper Canyon, Mexico with uh, Ralph Velasco and a bunch of cool people hanging out taking pictures. Hey, I'll be in Walnut so. Creek. Yeah, I heard uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard that's really exciting in Walnut Creek. <laughs> All right, guys, let's dive into the stories. Uh, first story you know, so we, we talked about Snapchat on the last show in the context of all these different technologies that are coming out. I think it was in the context of Pokemon Go and these things that I've resisted. And then I finally get sucked in. Snapchat was one of those. I resisted Snapchat. I was like, I think I, think I resisted Snapchat because of the first, the, the premise was you could, it was like, I think teenagers and kids and preteens or whatever were sending like naughty pictures to each other and the premise of snapchat snapchat was the content that you send disappears after a certain amount of time 24 hours or you know so it's it's got that fleeting aspect to it which people found appealing and i never thought i'm like why would i want to why would i want to do that so uh i finally jumped on the bandwagon set up a snapchat account and it's kind of fun it's cool so so i'm having the same kind of preconceptions and uh, and visceral negative reactions to po- towards Pokemon Go. But as soon as I get into the Snapchat thing, I finally get in Instagram, which I think is you know kind of like your adult version of Snapchat. Instagram is now adding in Snapchat type features. So in the form of this feature that Snapchat has called Stories, I think it's called Stories, where you can essentially, as you add in content, whether it be photos, videos, etc., they kind of go into your your story. It goes into this is what this is what Sarah did today. This is what Sarah did this morning. This is what Sarah did last night for dinner. This is Sarah sleeping, taking a nap. So people can kind of follow you and get an idea of who you are. Well, Instagram is following suit almost bit for bit with what Snapchat did. They didn't like say, well, you know, let's. Let's do the Microsoft thing and embrace and extend the Snapchat idea. They basically did a save as, change the name, and copy the code into their code base for Instagram users. So I wanted to bring it up on this show and discuss, you know, first of all, this is, you know, we got we have two slices of the population here. We got the hip young female here with Sarah France, and we've got the uh the hip older male here. With <laughs> I was like, uh, "How's he going to position this?" Right? That's, a, that's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Yeah, hey man. When, <laughs> hey, when I in ten years, when I'm your age, I hope I'm as cool as you are. No, I got to tell you. So, Sarah, what do you think? Are you a are you a Snapchat user? 
So I'm just like you. I literally just set up a Snapchat like right? three weeks ago. I'm That's I'm me. like brand three new. Weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Fine. I I um Chase Jarvis, who's a friend of mine, and I I'm always kind of still following all of his stuff because I just love him. He was star. on Snapchat and he's and I'm like, well, Chase can do it. I mean, he's around my age and, you know, in the same I'm like, I should be on Snapchat, I guess. So I got on it. And you're right. It's like really fun. He he Snapchatted me once I joined and he was like, oh, I'm so glad you're on. And and it was really lightweight. And that's what I loved about it. And so you could post stuff and not worry that like people are going to come back and see it 10 years down the road. If you don't have like makeup on, it's not perfect. Everything's just not perfect. It doesn't like stick. So mm-hmm. it makes it a little more approachable. Um so I did I did like that. Of course, it, when Instagram came out with that this week, stories, which, by the way, Instagram and Snapchat, I just confirmed both are they're called stories. Both of them <laughs> yeah, are identical. Why, why, why even be I covert mean, about your plagiarism, I mean, right? Why, yeah. <laughs> why even reinvent the wheel? They, I mean, one of the biggest differences is that Snapchat has some of those like really fun filters and cool things. I think that's pretty much it, though. Like... I love that they integrated instant into Instagram because I have so many friends on Instagram already yeah. and I, I my community is already there so it's easy for me to do that as opposed to like a whole nother platform re- trying to reinvent the wheel um, and we have a France photographers on there as well. So I hate to say it, but I'm pretty much done with Snapchat now that like Instagram came out That's with that That's what feature. I was going to ask. I, I was like, going to ask that, you know, so like, so we're going to continue that. Put a pin okay. in that Silicon Valley parlance. Let's put a pin in that and come back to it. <laughs> Doug, Doug, <laughs> Doug, are you a Snapchatter? You know, I was on Snapchat before either one of you. Oh. You were back when it was just Snap. When it was just Snap, but, I was on Snap. But, but, but it's not really fair because I only did it because my niece is on there and I wanted to see what it was all about. Other than having registered early on, I have not been a regular user at all. In fact, I haven't been on there for the longest time until I decided to check out this story. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting, and Sarah, that's that's the crux of the question I wanted to get to. So, and for both of you, I mean, Doug, you had a you had a snap, you have a Snapchat account, but it was relatively inactive. Sarah, you just discovered it, much like me, and now that Instagram swung in, there, I would bet that this was Instagram's plan, right? They're like, you know what, you know, there's the Snapchat audience, obviously, is going to skew younger, right? The yeah. Instagram audience is younger, but still skews older. Let's just put it out and do what they did and give people that give, give our older people the feature that the young kids have been enjoying without any kind of apology, right? Do you think yeah. you think that or was the plan? New platform to figure out. Like everybody yeah. loves a new feature, but no one loves like a whole new software. <laughs> Usually, yeah. like right. if they can right. get it in the same place they've already worked so hard on. Yeah, I I think it's going to be really hard for Snapchat to compete at this point because I can't really figure out what I would prefer to have on Snapchat other than some of the fun like little I mean those faces the faces and the right. facial recognition things I mean yeah. those are I mean the dogs I are mean, funny yeah, but yeah they're, they're guilty pleasure I got but tell at you. the same yeah. time I'm kind of sick of them uh, and I've only yeah. been on for three weeks but like as I'm going through people's Snapchats I'm like yeah I get it you're a dog like 
you know. <laughs> oh, you have the Halo thing on. Oh, that's so cute. So I, I kind of feel like I like it better on Instagram. It's a little truer to like to what people are actually doing. It's a little, you know, I think that Snapchat will still be a fun feature. They should probably change their whole offering to just all these little cool widget things that you can enjoy with your friends and kids. And um, I think that's probably what uh, what its feature set is now. you and I are, we're exactly the same. I love it. We're always in sync like that. Doug, Doug, what about you, Ann? I mean, do you... Are you, are you, if you decide to use the story feature, would you do it on Snapchat or would you do it on Instagram now? No, I would definitely do it on Instagram because that's that's where my peeps are. Everybody, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, you know I'm a, I'm still on Facebook because I'm so old, uh, and Instagram is close enough to Facebook, right? Doug, but, I thought you I thought you were really big on MySpace. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> or Friendster, I think it was Friendster. Friendster. Oh, yeah, wow. and, and way to go. Hey, I still have a CompuServe account. Come on. <laughs> But prodigy, baby, prodigy all day long. (laughs) I never had a prodigy. I can say that. I did have an AOL account. I've got I got this big stack of old CDs and floppy disks. Um, (laughs) But you know, I want to I want to bring up something legitimate here. (laughs) Oh, thank you. You want to change the DNA of the show now? Why start now? Yeah. The you know if you if you look at why they're doing this, if you look at the old Instagram and the new Instagram. For those who haven't done this, the difference is that as of today, there's this row of icons across the top, avatars of people. Yep. And my my understanding of how this is working is that only people who have posted something in the past 24 hours will appear there at the top of your feed. Right. And I can tell you, I immediately, immediately said, why aren't I up there? Yeah. Well, I haven't posted in the last 24 hours, right? Yeah. And yep. so I think this is a very effective way to rapidly build the, uh, the the volume of posts that people do on Instagram. Because I think as soon as you figure out how that top bar of avatar works, you're going to want to be there for all your friends. I know. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's very smart. I don't, I see nothing wrong with copying the concept or copying the name. That's, that's how all the social media stuff works. That's what mm-hmm. they got to yeah. do. I mean, better than not doing it at all. I think it was a very smart move. That's yeah. how everything works. That's, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, we complain and and cry foul when we see people copying, but everything has been copied. Everything. I mean, even yeah. even the operating system, even the mouse was a you know was Xerox, and then Microsoft or then Apple, then you know Microsoft stole it, then Android stole you know the whole look of the iPhone, and they went on to become the biggest. <laughs> so just because you started a thing doesn't necessarily mean it's your thing, you know, unless you somehow are able to patent it and lock it down. Yeah, it's all it's in the execution. It's not who does it first, it's who does it best. Yep. It's, there you go. Maybe that should be the title of the show. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, okay, let's segue this, because the other question I have is related to social media, Snapchat, and and even this new Insta Instagram feature. And fundamentally, this is the problem that I personally have with social media overall, is is visibility into my everyday goings on so much so that I feel like I want to build a story about it. You know, like I have some people that I'm following on Insta or on Snapchat and they're like in the car dancing around and then they're like, Hey, now I'm walking into target. Hey, now I'm looking at this card and now I'm walking back out to my car and now I'm in the car driving and I'm listening to music. I'm like, I don't have, I just don't have the desire. And I honestly don't think the world or anybody that follows me cares about this, the little minutia points in my life. I don't know. Sarah, do you, 
are you in the same boat? I mean, I would think your life is more interesting than mine. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. That's very sweet. It, I mean, mo- <laughs> only because I have a one-year-old. That's about the only thing that makes my life more interesting because she's so darn yeah. cute. But I actually, she has her own Instagram account. So <laughs> we, if I want to post monitor those followers, her, <laughs> yeah. If I want to post pictures of her, I post them on her. I post them on her Instagram um, to kind of keep things. I do them on mine every once in a while, so people don't think I'm like hiding that I have a child or something strange. But I'm with you. Like I have a really hard time. I don't post as much as I as maybe like people would expect me to because. Either I'm really in the midst of what I'm doing and I'm not thinking, oh, I should, you know, pull out my phone and and do a story about this. That's what's really hard. I don't really I've been having a really hard time understanding how photographers are doing it on wedding days. Like I am so engrossed in what I'm doing that the only time we ever post is literally like so far um, either somebody else has to do it like someone our assistant for the day or it's in transition always like we're we're in a golf cart on our way from here to here or we're going from here to here but like during any other time i'm i'm always wondering i feel like anyone would be looking at me and thinking you know what why is she like have her phone out right now and i feel the same way i would i'm I'm so like, okay, the next thing, this is what's happening, you know, thinking about what I'm doing that I'm not ever thinking to like pull out my phone. So I'm, I'm semi impressed with how photographers are able to manage both, but at the same time, a little like that doesn't make sense to me, but I feel like as we have consistent assistance, that might be kind of a way to, a way to go or wait. Cause I know that's really interesting to people and they want to see that. So we did, we did a lot more at this wedding because we had three shooters. So we had, um, Amber and from Alaska and Jessica was with me second shooting. So we had the bandwidth to kind of do it. Um, yeah. but yeah. I'm wondering on a day to day like that, but I'm definitely not a, I'm going into target kind of girl either. Like I, I feel like the posts that I post need to be about something and or, or be something I'm really excited about and just saw and want to share. So. Yeah. Doug, 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 what about you? Do you do you live your life for the timeline or is the timeline a reflection of your life? That's a really good question. Um, I, I it, the timeline is definitely a reflection. I am not generally creating stuff for the timeline. You know, I post I try and post one new image a day. Uh, and I post it, the same image goes exactly the same place it goes to uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, where else does it go? 500px and Flickr. Those are the four sites I use. I don't post to Snapchat regularly. But, you know, look back to where this started. What what was the first short form social network, social media thing? It was really Twitter. Twitter and if you yeah. look at the origins of Twitter, remember when it first came out, they put up the line sort of, what are you doing right now? Something like that was their was their line. And mm-hmm. they encouraged people to basically tweet. Of course, the word tweet didn't exist, but they would say, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I'm having dinner. Here's a picture. They couldn't do pictures in those days, but, you know, here's a picture of my hors d'oeuvres. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't do any of that normally, but I must admit that if I – if I am traveling for fun, if I'm on a vacation or somewhere, I will communicate with my family and close friends that way. I'll take pictures of food. Uh, I'll take, I'll do selfies. I'm not, I'm not above that, <laughs> and, but I don't generally post them to the public. 
yeah. it's usually going to a, a closed group. Uh, but if I don't, you know, when I'm working, when I'm doing photographic work, I don't post stuff of work. Um, yeah. I don't do much commercial shooting at all. But, uh, you know, when I teach, I'm not posting stuff from teaching in Cuba. I'm generally offline. I'm, I'm, I have a, I have an out for that. So you're, no, you're I, enjoying, you're enjoying Cuba. Yeah. I don't, Cuba. I don't, I don't live to, I don't live to tweet. Yeah. I wonder, cause both, both Snapchat and Instagram have features where you can, you don't necessarily have to post instantly. So you can, you can take an image obviously on the, on the case of Instagram, obviously, but on Snapchat, I think it's a relatively new thing where you can take a video or an image that you've already created and add that as a snap, you know, in other words, it doesn't have to be, what are you doing right now? It could be, you know, you could, Sarah, like, for example, in the case of weddings, you could create a series of clips about a wedding that you did yesterday and post them as, you know, a series of snaps if you wanted to, yeah. or as a story on Instagram and go that way. Is that disingenuous to do it that way? Is that kind of going against the, the grain of the way the services were, were designed? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't, I think it is a little bit when it comes to stories. It's like um, cheating, and, right? It feels like it's yeah, cheating. Well, it's not really a story at that point. Yeah, it's like this is what I'm doing five hours ago. I, yeah. I but I feel like that with Instagram. I used to feel like it needed to be what I did right then, and if I missed it, I missed it. I was like, okay, well, I didn't post it yesterday. I'm not going to post it today. It's not what I'm doing right now. But with stories, <sighs> I feel a little bit more like, okay, now I could actually like post what I'm doing right now, and and I won't feel so bad if I post something from yesterday on my regular like feed, which is nice. Um, but I think in stories, if I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure. Hold on, let me. S- I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure you can actually you can't actually do um, something like from later, your, like things yeah, that you've edited. You can't. Oh, you it can. goes straight oh. straight into camera, so it it only lets you do stuff that's live right now, um, mm. which which is really great. Again, I think you know that was one of the features that is going to is going to be a little bit better than Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, Do I look I'm, good? I'm doing an Instagram story right now of us <laughs> I recording. Already, I already beat you. Oh, my goodness. I'm finally you ahead beat, of the see? game on something. <laughs> we think alike. We think alike. I hate that. It's so weird. I don't know. Doug, any parting shots on this on, uh, on Instagram, Snapchat, Instachat, Snapgram? Well, just just an interesting thing. One of the things that kept me from uploading to Instagram was that I didn't want to have to move stuff to my phone and upload from there. So I eventually found an app. I think I told you about it, Frederick, an app that you could install on uh, OS X under, uh, on my Apple, on my Mac, and I could upload from there. And I was about to give out the URL, but it's gone. And I think that Instagram is shutting these things down because they're, yeah. they don't want people to use their APIs to upload this way. But I have an app that I use every day to upload to Instagram. If you look around, you can find one. Yeah, that, that's – and then that's the ultimate in cheating. That's like when uh, – with Instagram, remember the controversy a couple of years ago about people shooting DSLR or mirrorless or whatever photos? Right editing them, putting them on their phone, and then uploading them to Instagram. It's like, hey, that's cheating. And it's like, it's supposed to be the iPhone camera. And now it's completely acceptable. It's like, whatever you want to put up there, who cares? That's right, yeah. So anyway, uh, Instagram's here to stay. I, I like the new feature. I think it's a very intelligent move in, sort of, in, in terms of building, um, building traffic for them. It'll work very well. 
Love it. Love it. Cool. All right. Two thumbs up for the Instagram intellectual property embracing from Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a photographer that's suing Getty Images for, wait for it, $1 billion. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Photomatics. Photomatics Pro is the industry-leading software for HDR photography, offering a wide range of effects from the most natural-looking to highly artistic and surreal, along with the best in alignment of handheld photos, advanced ghost removal, and much more. Are you new to HDR photography? Well, you should check out Photomatics Essentials. It's for those that are new to this technique. It's got a simplified workflow and built-in guidance for bracketing your images, and it still has the strength of Photomatics. And brand new to the Photomatics lineup is Photomatics OneShot. It's an extension for Apple Photos that adds Photomatics magic to single exposures. Download your free trial today. The trial does not expire and it just adds a Photomatics watermark to the final image. It's perfect for getting your feet wet and trying out the technique everyone has been talking about. HDRsoft.com has video tutorials and other resources to help you get started. Just head over to HDRsoft.com and click on download. That's hdrsoft.com and click on download. Photomatics Pro, it's the easiest way to create stunning HDR photos. All right, we are back. Uh, Photographer is suing Getty Images for a billion dollars after being billed for her own photo. So photographer, this, all right, this, I got to read this first paragraph to you guys because it's, uh, it sets the stage for this because on the surface, it sounds like, this is a frivolous lawsuit. How could you possibly sue for a billion dollars for a single image? I don't care how good the image was. But let me read this to you. It says, Carol Highsmith, a distinguished photographer who has traveled all over America, aiming to chronicle for posterity the life of the nation in the early 21st century. She's donating her work to the public via the Library of Congress, which has called her act one of the greatest acts of gener- generosity in the history of the library, which is a big deal. Carol M. Highsmith, the, the Carol M. Highsmith Archive, which is expected uh, to ultimately encompass more than 100,000 images, is accessible royalty-free via the library's website. So 100,000 images chronicling the, 21st, the early 21st century, the life of this nation, she donated at no charge to the Library of Congress so anyone can use it. So the controversy comes in when she... Last December, she received a threatening letter from a firm associated with Getty Images accusing her of license infringement because she posted one of her own images online. (laughs) So, And the firm said they were demanding, it was a letter demanding a settlement payment of $120 from her nonprofit, This Is America, the This Is America Foundation. Uh, and they made an implicit threat to take her to court over this $120 from one of her photos, of which she had given 100,000 photos to the Library of Congress. So uh, it goes on. <laughs> so, uh, so she reacted, obviously, uh, and we'll link to all this. But uh, <laughs> so apparently in the lawsuit, that they filed, Highsuit filed a lawsuit accusing Getty Images of illicitly claiming the rights to not just one, but 18,755 images of hers. 18,755 images. So now you can see how this $1 billion gets more interesting, especially if she gets awarded, let's say, 1500 bucks for each 
of those eighteen hundred, <laughs> those eighteen thousand images, the 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 money can uh, kind of you know get big. So anyway, uh, no one has has responded with a public comment, but Getty is saying. Uh, I guess Getty responded saying they're defending themselves vigorously, and this was weird. I highlighted this in the notes for you guys. So. They're saying we're going to defend ourselves vigorously and we acknowledge that the images are in the public domain, but they still maintain that they have the right to charge a fee for distributing the material. (laughs) Quote, distributing and providing access to the public domain content is different to asserting copyright ownership of it, Getty says. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. So this sounds like some weird carpetbagger lawyer type okay, we messed up, let's, like, try to fix it somehow. Doug, if... Let's just put you in the driver's seat here. If you found out Getty Images was infringing on 18,755 of your hard-earned images that you created and crafted, and let's say that's a portion of the ones that you'd already donated to the world, and they send you a letter saying, hey, Doug... You're using one of your images illegally. Pay us or we're taking you to court. What would you do? What's your reaction? Well, first of all, I would be really happy. And then the, the, <laughs> the, Yeah. And the second thing I would do is I would pause and I would say, oh, I really, oh, please, oh, please, did they license them to somebody using them for, for publicity? Yeah. Because if I could find someone that they had licensed them to, I would be really, really excited. Yeah. You know, th- I, I, I made some notes on this just while you were talking. Good, good. I, I figured there are There are so many problems with this. There are some things we don't know yet. Um, for example, how did Getty even get the images? Did they just mm-hmm. get them from the right. Library of Congress? That's one. Second, the fact that she donated them does not mean she gave up her copyright. She still right. owns the copyright. She, You can't – in fact, it's very difficult unless you – Sign away your copyright, which you never do. You own the copyright to the images forever. You may get grant licenses, but of course she didn't grant any licenses. We also don't know this this thing that you highlighted talks about public domain. I didn't I went to the Library of Congress website. I don't see anything that suggests that she put them in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Because I think she donated them to the library. The library can use them. People, you know, you can get images from NASA, for example. Those NASA images are available. But they're not public domain images. I mean, there's still copyright from NASA. But um, so the question is, like I say, how did did they get them? What are the license terms? And she still owns that license. There's no doubt about it. But it's just the whole thing is, is, is it's hilarious, except that it's frightening. And it just shows what's happened to our stock photo industry. It's become a mess. Uh, It's become lawyers. Things are being turned over to these third parties who are just going around. They're basically copyright trolls. And uh, anyway, enough. Enough for now. Back to you. Back back to you, Frederick. (laughs) Sarah. No, back to you, Sarah. Sarah, what do you think? I'll put the same question to you. If this happened to you. Well, first of all, is she in the right or the wrong? Uh, And if it happened to you, how would you respond? Well, I think she's definitely in the right. And because also it sounds like this company had rights to the image that were exclusive. If they were wanting to charge her $120 for using her own image. Um, But if they didn't know it was her and they were still saying like, hey, we have rights to this image. You needed to pay us. That doesn't make any sense, obviously. 
Um, But wow, I can't believe 18,755 images um, were, are being sold basically from this woman who had, who had donated them somewhere. But it's definitely, it's definitely going to be an interesting lawsuit as it, as it kind of plays out to see what the details and stuff really are. But there's a lot of details here that we know already that I'm already just really kind of um, flabbergasted over. And I hope that I can understand a little bit of Getty's side of saying like there is some cost associated with distributing images, but it doesn't sound like they had any rights to distribute those images in the first place. Um, Unless somebody from the Library of Congress somehow thinks that they were the ones that were distributing it, but that still doesn't give them the right to do it. So it's, it sounds like, I think, Doug, you hit it right on the head. It sounds like uh, it's a confusing mess. And I, I looked this up while you guys were talking. So uh, the Carlisle Group, LP, owns Getty Images. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's their bosses. And the Carlisle Group, the CEO is William E. Conway Jr., founded in 1987. The interesting thing is their market cap... The Carlisle Group's market cap is five point four billion dollars. Yeah. So one billion of five billion is a big chunk of change. <laughs> you know, yeah. it is a big chunk of change. And if this if this has happened multiple times, let's say let's say that the courts award this photographer the one billion. If they if this company has done this before, all those are gonna all those people are gonna come out with torches with their with their buckets open for their their payday as well, yeah. which means I would guess the end of the Carlisle Group in its current incar- incarnation if this lawsuit goes through and there's evidence that's found that they they've done this multiple times or if they even if they've done it one other time, I don't see how you could withstand uh, another billion dollar torpedo like this. I don't know. Yeah. This is scary. Well, this is definitely a story to follow, and uh, yet another reason why you should you should register your images with the copyright uh, office. Doug K, I know you do that every single time you get back from uh, from I, Cuba, I right? Do it five times a year because they won't let you go more than ninety days. <laughs> so yeah. I do, but I want to say one other thing. There is yeah. a there is a subtlety in, in one thing they said, which is sure. that it is legal to charge for the reproduction and distribution of public domain materials. For example, if you take the works, the complete works of William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you can publish that in a book and charge for the book. Uh, but then, you know, what you're charging for is the printing and the shipping and the distribution costs. Not the and creative so forth. work. Not the itself. creative work. You don't, you don't have a license. It happens to literally be public domain at that but point. But then you wouldn't, you wouldn't, let's say, using that example, you wouldn't have the right to say, go back to Bill Shakespeare and say, hey, <laughs> no, know, no, no, no. Hey, you owe us 120 yeah. bucks, Bill. Yeah. Hey, because wait, I heard you reciting your poem in the town square, Bill. That's right. You owe us 120 bucks for that. Yeah, we, we found yeah. we found some notes in your desk, and they happen to be exactly the same as King Lear. So we're holding you to this. No, Getty has to so. be so upset with that company that wanted that $120 because she probably wouldn't even have known about it if that nope. hadn't happened. That's going to be the most expensive $120 they ever tried to retrieve from anyone. (laughs) Oops. Oops. And even if they don't, I mean, even if she, you know, the courts say, yeah, a a billion dollars is frivolous. We're only going to give you, you know, a quarter of that amount. (laughs) Well, in the the show notes, it says, the show notes, it says dollar one B. And because I've got the wrong glasses on, I thought it was $18. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, yeah, put on the right glasses. That's uh, one billion with the Suing pinky. for eighteen dollars. Hey, yeah, I can see that lawyer now. Oh, lawyer fees on a one billion dollars. Right. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Let's skip this. Let's skip to this next story. Um, uh, oh God, I'm getting lost in my own show notes. Uh, the next story is this is interesting because I'm talking to a couple of people about that are doing some interesting things in the world of printing. Story comes to us from Petapixel, and it's about a company called Lumi L U M I I, who's basically come up with a way to print 3D full color holograms using a regular Epson inkjet printer. Um, so, and we'll, it's hard to describe this, so we'll link to this in the show notes. So have a look at their webpage. They have some videos and some animated GIFs that kind of describe what it looks like. But essentially it looks like a, like a lenticular or, or a, you know, like a little hologram that you would see, but it's, it's on a backlit piece of paper that you know, has a light behind it, obviously, that when you change the angle, it gives you more dimension. I particularly wanted Sarah France's opinion on this from someone that's in the trenches working every day for clients. And when you see things, they, I mean, not everything has to be like, you know, is there revenue associated with it? But you do have to scrutinize things and say, well, you know, you have to look at it from a lens, from through the lens of, could this work for a client? Like when you saw this, would you think, you know what, I could actually, uh, I could, I could, I could make this work as an item on my price list for my clients. Do you care? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I definitely didn't think that. I mean, I I think it's a really kind of fun, cool feature. I thought maybe like, oh, some nerd would really like love this to show their friends. Like that's kind of the, how I feel like it's positioned right now. Like, hey dude, look at this. I I just, I just printed this myself. So it's, I mean, it's kind of like, I see it kind of like a fun toy to kind of play with when you're trying to figure out the technology and all that. Um, As a finished product, I didn't really see it as, you know, something that we'd be looking at for weddings or anything, not, not in its current state at least. And I haven't really seen this kind of thing be something that, um, clients are really interested in right now. I think because um, so much of what we talk about and sell when it comes to weddings is really about their heirloom and it being timeless and it being something that they can look at in 20 years and it would be the same as if they looked at it, you know, 40 years ago or it very, very kind of consistent. That's why we stay away from crazy um, uh, editing that we feel like might be fads or things that might, you know, be something that's very specific to to a time period because we want... Anything that time stamps it. So so when you can say, oh, yeah, that was in 2016 when everybody was doing blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we try to stay away from that in our wedding photography and in our wedding albums um, and stay really true to the image, really true to the day, um, true to what, what they were experiencing, what they saw. And, and we find that our clients really, really value that because from it they get a really beautiful heirloom that they can, their kids and their kids' kids can look at and hold and touch and look through and, and really feel like they were there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, from a wedding standpoint and an heirloom standpoint, yeah, I can see that you'd want to avoid things that are faddish or or kitschy or, or whatever. But maybe from an advertising standpoint, this might have legs. Doug K, do you, do you see this? Like you walking through the subway in New York City and, 
you know, the 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 portrait is watching you as you walk down, the, <laughs> as you walk down the row, or keeping eye contact with you, or something like that. Does it? Does that make sense for this kind of tech? It it does actually, and even spookier. I was imagining the bus drives by, and the as the bus drives by, the the face turns and follows you as it goes past. <laughs> yeah. No, I I you, you know, looking at me? You looking yeah. at me? <laughs> Yeah, increase the paranoia of all the never mind. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I think it's got real potential. I went and looked at the website. I looked at the samples. It's, it's pretty cool, but it's funny. So I said, oh, yeah, well, it says sign up for the alpha test. Well, maybe I'll do that. And then I got stuck at step number one, which is upload a 3D model. <laughs> now, oh. now, you know, if you're Alex Lindsay, that's one thing. You probably have a 3D model <laughs> oh, yeah. Sit, oh, yeah. sitting you around. You've a Lightroom library full of 3D models somewhere. You know, in in Photoshop, you've got the, you know, all that stuff. But I think most of us who work in the 2D world probably have never made a 3D model. Uh, we don't photograph our people in ways that are conducive to making 3D models of them. So this is not for your average uh, a recreational photographer. But I do think... Um, this or something like it is very powerful for advertising because, let's face it, if you can get your ad, uh, your poster, your billboard to stand out on the street, that's what the game's all about. It's yeah. all about capturing capturing eyeballs and doing different things. Yeah, when I my first my first thought was kind of along the lines of you, Sarah, because I I put myself in suspicion. I'm like, okay, would I print some of that? Would I print something like that and hang it in my house? And I yeah. gotta say, probably not because. Now you're just showing off, right? <laughs> like, you know, and people are like, "Oh, that's great!" And they completely miss the content of the photo that you toiled over, and you know, composition and exposure and all that, just to see the effect of it being in 3D. But when you switch gears and look at it from the standpoint of advertising, it makes sense. Yeah. I could imagine if 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 like the whole gist of this technology is you can print 3D color holograms using regular printing processes. I could see billboards. Imagine a billboard printed using this technique instead of being a video screen and using yeah. all that energy and all that. You could just have a static image up there that moves when cars drive by it and show different messages based on the angle of view. That could be yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think there... I think it's also would be really fun to have in your house at Halloween, like a three D model of your face just watch, watching your friends walk down the walk down the uh, <laughs> the hallway. See, like, now oh you're just God. getting ridiculous. Now you're just creepy. being ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Disney haunted house. But you're right, house. Haunted, advertising haunted for sure. Yeah, yeah, it could be cool. But it's cool that all these different things are coming out for us to like different ways for story visual storytellers. To uh, to tell stories and do different yeah. things because once you get these, you know, it, all it takes is like a couple of these things to kind of pop up where you got like augmented VR and then this tech and then drones and then you know mirrorless, all these different things, and then some kid that might not even be born yet, you know, comes up and says, you know what? What if I took that and put it over here with this, and then the entire world is different? You know, <laughs> that's how it happens. And it might it might pass the test of like a short term fad at some point too. Like yeah. a lot of times, these things, some of them are short term fads, and some of them actually turn out to be stuff that sticks and and just ends up being new technology that we really love. So it definitely could, you know, it has the potential at some point to turn into something like that because there's still a, there's so much movement and we're so interested in it, but we don't have a way to display it without 
it being on TV or everyone sitting and watching it. So gifts have been really become really cool. This is kind of like a printed version of a of a gif almost where mm-hmm. you can make movement in it. So that that definitely I definitely see a future for it. I'm not sure that it, you know, right now it's not ready ready to implement in our product line, but it's definitely something that I think down the road it as everything continues to develop like you talked about with holograms and I mean, I've seen the futuristic movies. I'm just saying it might be something cool in the future. I know. Hey, <laughs> you know what? I'm on a I'm on a Netflix binge. I think it's Netflix or Hulu uh binge right now. I started with Star Trek episode one of the original Star Trek and I'm working my way through it. I just wanted to watch it and kind of get a feel for what they thought was super high tech back then. And it turns out, it turns out we have a lot of the stuff that they were using. We don't have phasers yet, but we have a lot of the things that they were talking about back then. Is it crazy? You you don't have a phaser? I don't have a phaser. I don't have a phaser. We have to get we I have to get one. together for lunch. I'll show you my phaser. Yeah, no, it's just those phaser control laws, man. They, you know, you got to fill out all that paperwork. I don't know. You, so, I don't know. You have to wonder who write, who writes these movies and comes up with these like ideas and concepts because it is really true that a lot of these things are what we're like moving towards or and these movies were written like even like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or some of the stuff's really old and you it's just amazing that that's yeah. it was like yeah, telling I mean, the Gene, future Gene Roddenberry came up with Star Trek what in the 60s Doug was it like 60 you were like you were like 45 uh, back then right or something uh, yeah it was it was <laughs> uh, I don't remember exactly I I did go back I did a Netflix binge on Twilight Zone Nice. Okay, wow. that's next. I went that's back next. To, and did I didn't finish them, but I did like the first, you know, fifteen Twilight Zones, and they were awesome. Yeah, yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. But yeah, Sarah, you're right. These, these, these. That's one of the reasons why I've always loved science fiction because right. they give you a some of. You know, I I don't I don't tend to like apocalyptic or post apocalyptic dystopian future science fiction that much. Like. You know, the world is over and there's just three humans trying to struggle to get the last grain of corn to survive. You know, that, that doesn't really excite me. Although Mad Max was good. I got to give Mad Max props. Um, but I tend to like the, the science fiction series that paint a kind of a, a, a it's better. It'll be better then than it is now type future for us yeah. rather than it'll be worse than. You know, I don't want these to be the good old days. I want those. everything. <laughs> I want about it to get doomsday, better. Isn't it? It's yeah, crazy. Like I nothing know. seems like better in the future when, when they do movies, but I like that too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Science we should fiction. just send that to, this is what we're looking for in a new movie. We want to see what's going to be the future tech in 20 years. And we want it to be awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. They should just make a movie. Make That That would be the perfect way to, to launch a product. You know, Silicon Valley, if you're listening, create a blockbuster movie that has one piece of tech in it that no one has ever seen before. And then at the end of the movie, say, oh, you know that thing that the character was using? It's real, and you can buy it. We're selling them out in the lobby right now. <laughs> I feel like. Seriously? The, right? That's a really I would go great buy it. idea. I would that's totally really go buy it. Idea. I have just yeah. two words for you, Frederick. What's Twip it? movies. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next venture. 
I, I need a time machine because clearly, you know, or I need to figure out this multiverse thing because clearly I don't have enough time in this dimension Twip to get everything. <laughs> the next big thing, Twip. The next, the next big thing, the Twip, Twip multiverse. Dim- Twip dimensions. Yeah, or Twip dementia, depending <laughs> whichever, whichever comes first. Hey, close enough. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably be closer to the dementia thing. I don't know. All right, guys, uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to take on a question from one of our listeners. I'm happy to announce that in just a few short months, the TWIP School is proving to be an amazing resource for photographers worldwide. So far, over 3,000 learners have enrolled in the school, and that number continues to grow daily. We built the school as a way for the TWIP network to go beyond edutainment and provide deeper content covering a variety of photography and creative topics. We have some amazing courses and tutorials lined up for release, and even a few unexpected surprises for TWIP listeners. So head over to TWIP school.com and check out a few of the courses that we've made available. There are free courses, paid courses. Best of all, there's no ongoing membership fee required. Once again, you can check it all out at twipschool.com. That's twipschool.com. All right, we are back. Periodically on This Week in Photo, we answer a question that has come in from one of our listeners. This week, we have a question from one of the TWIP Army members, Doug Creels. And Doug says... Of the current pocketable, semi-pocketable mirrorless camera options, which has the best video features and video image quality? Now, it just so happens that the host of All About the Gear is on this show and can speak to that with authority. So, Doug, what do you think, man? It just so happens that I have an answer for you. Um, Good. There, there are a couple of choices. Uh, the, the key word was pocketable. If you want a pocketable camera, yeah. the, at the high end, you've got this guy. I happen to have one right here. It's a Sony RX100 Mark IV, and this fits very nicely in a pocket and shoots 4K video. However, it costs $950 in the U.S. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to spend that much money, Panasonic Lumix has a couple of real nice cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the ZS100. Ooh, which I is have on, that one. only seven hundred dollars, or as Gordon would say, the ZS one hundred. You have one there? There it is, right there. Oh, Look at that. Great camera, isn't it? Yeah, I love this little thing. It shoots four K too. Yeah, four K video, uh, seven hundred bucks. Or you can go down to the ZS six hundred, which is only four hundred and fifty bucks. You don't have quite the quality. It does four K, has a thirty X super zoom, uh, but the image quality is not going to be as good as the the one you've got there. So yeah. Um, There are a number of choices. There's there's some good pocketable 4K cameras now. This is completely pocketable. It does a fantastic job. It has a built-in lens. It has a pop-up flash on there. I mean, it's the only thing that this doesn't have that I've been just sort of complaining about for the last four years is a uh, mic jack. You know? I mean, if you're going to let me shoot 4K, come on. Let me me record decent audio with this. So um, other than that, it is is fantastic. I love it. Does a a Sony have a mic jack? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. They generally leave them off of these cameras yeah. with the excuse that hey, no one wants audio. Who needs Who needs great audio? You just need beautiful 4K video. But you can al- you can always do that double system too. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I do. In my camera bag, I carry a Zoom H1 around so that I yeah. can re- if I really need to capture good audio, I can capture it. But I really just want you know the minimalist setup where I can just plug in a little lav mic and record some some video and have the audio attached to the actual video. Right. Doug, so, which one uh, do you think does the best like stills of those 
of these two. Doug, what do you think? Uh, well, I like the quality of the Sony. Um, I have used the ZS100. I've never used the 600. Yeah, sorry, the 60. So I can't mm-hmm. compare them. But um, I, I think it's just a matter of slightly newer generation. This is a, a newer model. Yeah. This, this RX100. And I, like, I would say for me, I'm a Lumix shooter, so I like. I like the, you know, the, the image quality of this one's great. It's perfectly fine for 99.99% of what I'm going to do. Uh, but the biggest thing for me on there is because the other cameras I shoot with are Lumix. They share the same operating system and menuing structure and all that. And so it's, it's just easy to get around in there. I, I can pick up any one of my cameras and instantly know where all the settings are. They're all configured exactly the same. So I don't have to worry about, oh... You know where is that feature? And I know Sony has uh, they have some issues when it comes to <laughs> user interface design, right? And this has the same bad menus as all the other Sonys. The, yeah. other, the other thing about the Lumix, the ZS100, which I really like, is they've really embraced video more so than anybody else, and so they've got they've got these great features of shooting 4K video for the purpose of ending up with an eight megapixel still. Yeah, uh, and you can do that with any 4K video camera, but so uh, Panasonic has made it really easy with their new Lumix stuff, uh, and that's really a fun thing to do to to show to shoot video and then use it to extract these these still images. Yeah, yeah. The, the other cool thing about this particular camera, this uh, ZS100, is the zoom on this lens is 25 to 250. Yeah, optical. <laughs> so yeah. it's, ten, 10 to 1 zoom very nice yeah it's uh yeah it's it's crazy i like it what aperture like it does it give you how low um, does it go the i'm gonna where is it it's a 28 to 59 so at its fast it's gonna be 28 yeah the two little eight to five nine. the little sony, I, the sony? I, I i call it my 24 to 70 in a pocket because <laughs> yeah. it's it's the same it's the same zoom range as a 24 to 70 on a full frame at at the wider uh, zoom, it's f one eight. It's really fast, and even when it's all the way out to the seventy millimeter equivalent, it's f two eight. So it's a nice fast lens and very yeah. sharp. And this is one I travel with, and I just throw in my pocket if I want to go out to dinner. And if I don't want to take a camera, but I want to have a camera, this is what goes with me. That one, so that that's where that one wins, Sarah. So you were talking about image quality. I, yeah. Image quality is probably negatable, but low light performance, that one's going to win, I think. Because would you say, Doug, 2.8? Two eight, two uh, F1.8. F1.8 at its fastest and 2.8 at, at, it, at the fully yeah. extended zoom. Right. This one at its fully extended zoom is only going to give you uh, F9, 5.9. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so it's it's slow. And we're talking and about, it, in either case... We're talking about real little pixels here, so so mm-hmm. noise is a problem. Does the Sony have a pop-up flash? It does. It has a, not only a pop-up flash. Check this out. It has a pop-up flash like that. Oh, that's the viewfinder. Sorry. Pop-up flash <laughs> over here. I gave, I gave away the punchline. There's my pop-up flash, but also has a pop-up EVF, which for people that's like nice. me who use, who use um, bifocals, being able to pop up a flash is, uh, viewfinder is really cool. It is a so I can yeah. use it. I can use it rear LCD, or I can use viewfinder. Very nice. And how That's how fun. does the touchscreen on that perform, Doug? Oh, stop! <laughs> I was li- oh, so sorry. Is that I'm tired of this. Luminex has it has a touchscreen. The Luminex has a touchscreen. Of course it, it yes. does. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yes. 
touchscreen. I, I literally, this is one of the number one questions I get as a wedding photographer, which is so funny because I have zero knowledge of point and shoots when it comes to like little pocket point and shoots. I just, mm-hmm. I don't really use them that much. And so people ask me that all the time at weddings. They'll come up and be like, I need a new camera. Like, what camera should I get? What would be the best? I'm like, oh my god, I have no Just idea. Just have a card like, printed up. Zero Here we go. knowledge. I'm like, this is what Doug says. Use this one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't know, Sarah. Are you? Are you? Uh, what are you shooting weddings with these days? Uh, well, I shot with two different camera bodies this last wedding. I shot um, with my Canon 5D Mark III's and a Sony, the new Sony full frame, the A7R II. Wow. How, what did you think comparatively of the two? Um, I really love the Sony. To be honest. I like, knew it. I knew it. Another convert, Doug. Somebody's I going know. mirrorless. Yay. <laughs> oh, there hey, there you go. There it is right there. I, um, when I first got a hold of it, I, I just started kind of testing stuff with, with Charlie and walking around with it. And I stopped carrying my big camera around to like take pictures of my daughter. And it makes me sad because it's just so, such big gear, but I love the size of that camera and the weight of it and the, and the features of it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm really in love with the fact that I would be able to actually take my camera gear out with me in places as opposed to feeling like bogged down by it, it kind of mm-hmm. cha- changed my whole perspective. And at weddings, I found myself really gravitating towards it for a lot of reasons, but um, that's kind of why I made it my pick of the week this week. But we'll get to Very that cool. in a minute. All right. Well, we're going to get to that now. All right, Twib listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on the show, just click on the Contact Us link at the top of the page on thisweekinphoto.com and select Twip, the main show, or whatever show you want to submit your question or feedback to, and we'll go directly to that host or hosts. All right, let's do that pick of the week that Sarah was talking about. This is a segment where you guys can recommend anything to the Twip army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Sarah... You bury the lead, so unbury the lead. (laughs) (laughs) So my pick of the week is, in case you missed it 30 seconds ago, um, the Sony a7R II camera. I'm just, I am really kind of in love with this camera right now. Some of the things that I love about it, because I've been a Canon shooter for, I don't want to give away my age, but a really long time. (laughs) Um, And I really love, um, I love the the size and the weight. And at first that kind of was kind of off-putting. I think I thought I needed the size and the weight of the camera to like look cool. Um, but it's just a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter, and it feels so good in, in my, just in my hands, carrying it around is, is so much lighter. I feel like after shooting so many weddings, I felt so bogged down by my gear and my, my back's killing me. And, you know, I, I wanted something a little bit lighter. So I do really love that, but mostly I love the features cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a geek when it comes to that stuff. And I just love um, the screen. I love having the having that instant view on the screen and being able to see what you're shooting through the lens and also um, right there through um, the viewfinder and and on the back of the camera. So the if you guys haven't seen these cameras, the the back actually pops off so that you can tilt it 
in different directions so, as well. And I found that really useful when I was shooting like dancing and things like that when I was trying to really get in there and and see somebody, but I needed to to be higher or taller than I am. I mean, I'm five. I'm only five six, and I'm always kind of a little bit jealous of the male male shooters in the in their height <laughs> that they can be. Hey, so much there are tall women too. Ranges. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of them aren't six five, but it's definitely. Yeah. I feel like now I have that advantage, just and I didn't have that before. So that is really really nice. If I'm tired of looking through the viewfinder. Um, which I usually am by the end of the night, I can shoot off the back of the camera. There's just a really a lot of great advantages with with that camera. And that 85 G Master lens is butter. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Because my 85 with the Canon has always been my favorite lens. And it's a one-two, but it's a beast. And it is a little bit slow to focus, even with the newer model. Um, and the 85, their 85 is just really fast really crisp um just a little bit lighter in weight and uh i just really enjoyed shooting with it also uh i shot with their flash and i wasn't so sure if i was gonna like love their flash but i really love the technology that they used even though they don't have like the radio technology that i think they should have i'm sure it's coming but the flash actually I was trying to describe this to somebody um, earlier today. It did not go well. Let's see if I can do it better this time. When you when you change and go from horizontal to vertical, and you are pointing your flash like up, because we never typically aren't pointing flashes directly at people as wedding shooters. We're pointing them like up at the ceiling, doing some sort of bounce. But when you turn it, you then have to do like three moves to get to the flash in the right place. Um, mm-hmm. But with the Sony, you literally just go, and it's and it's exactly as it was. So they've constructed it a little bit smarter, in my opinion, um, which is really cool too. So I I'm really impressed, and I'm really enjoying it, and I and I think it's um, it's a great camera, and I'm really really glad that Sony kept going and kept creating new stuff because uh, I know that was a little bit of a challenge for them is just continuing to keep trying. But they're a big enough company that they could, you know, keep putting out cameras until they got it right. Let's hope so, because, you know, their P&L is not that healthy, but <laughs> let's hope they keep going. But I agree. It's funny. It's really it's interesting to hear you say that, Sarah, because I know since I've known you, you've been like rocking DSLRs and and cha- like creating amazing art with them. So it means a lot to hear you say, yeah, this is uh I'm, I'm thinking of moving in this other direction now, you know, because yeah. like, you don't make and especially don't make not only that. Lightly. Yeah, you don't make those decisions lightly because you're you're like a you're like an Indy 500 driver where you don't really have a whole lot of time to pull over to play around with different things. You're in a race. You got to yeah. keep going. So well, when you try you- something, it means something. And keep in mind, like, my girls that work for me um, in the studio were holding their breath as I'm shooting this thing. They're just like, oh, my God, please don't like it. Please don't like it. Please don't like it. We're all going to have to change. Oh, my God, please don't like it. So um, when they came back and they were like, so what do you think of Sony? I'm like, I'm really loving it. They're like, oh, my God, we're all going to have to change our gear. Um, so they're all a little still holding their breath to figure out how that, how that's all going to work. But, um, but yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I love when I find something that actually makes me think about 
doing things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the only constant in the universe, as far as we know, is change, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything's going to change sooner or later, which is good. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks, yeah. Sarah, for that. Keep us posted on your, your progress with that. And let I us will. know when you, do, when you do the Doug K and dump all your other gear to buy <laughs> all Sony stuff. <laughs> I'll definitely know, let you know when I do that. Yeah, yeah. Doug, you did that. You sold everything. But you, you have Sony and Leica now, right? I do. I, I, sold, I sold a lot of Nikon gear. I really yeah. did. And I have so much more shelf space now. But part of it is that the, the gear is smaller. As Sarah says, the bodies are smaller. Uh, but here, I mean, here's an example of what I shoot with. This is the Sony A7R Mark II with a Leica. Uh, this is a 35-millimeter Summicron lens, and it's a tiny lens. I mean, it has the lens hood on If I take the lens hood off, you can see. Oh, and that the, big, guy. the big gimmick for this, though, is this thing that's hanging down below the camera, that's an autofocus adapter. So I can take a manual focus Leica lens, put it on the Sony body, and autofocus. And it's wow. really, it's really cool. Uh oh! Look at Sarah's face. I know. <laughs> Sarah. Sarah's gonna say, "I can't believe I did a show with Doug." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But uh, anyway, wanna, so I'm gonna start listening to your gear show a lot more uh, now. God. <laughs> That's for it's sure. A, it's a very your, your staff will hate me. They'll absolutely hate me. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, I I love the camera. I hate the menu system. I can't believe someone coming from Canada could. Canon could deal with this menu system. It's so bad. But the image quality is phenomenal. And, you know, you may laugh about how ridiculous it is to have 42 megapixels. But when you have 42 good megapixels, and as Sarah said, that uh, that 85 F1.4 G Master lens is gorgeous. It is, it is a, a spectacular Okay, lens. we need to stop talking about that because, you know, I don't want to be like Sarah's staff. <laughs> Like, I, I don't want to switch. Anyway, I didn't yeah. buy the 85. I got to borrow one. I didn't spend the yeah. money for it, but it's a beautiful lens. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's move on. Doug K. Okay. What is your picker? So I've got, I've got a lower end thing. You know, I travel a lot to second and third world countries. And I don't think I've done this on Twitter before. But one of the things I like to do, especially if I'm leading a workshop, if I'm leading a workshop, then I'm not so much there to take pictures for myself, but to help other people get good pictures. And part of that is to get to know the people, to introduce yourself, to make them comfortable, to make them willing to be photographed. And so one of the things that I do is I take this camera with me. This is the, what is it called? The Fuji Instax Mini 90. Have we talked about this, Frederick? No, but we talked about the Instax SP on the last show. You know, they updated that too. Yes, yes, yes. So this is the Instax camera. You can get the Fuji Instax printer. And if you if you have a Fuji camera, you can print directly from your camera to your printer. I don't own a Fuji camera at this point. So I buy the camera, and uh, it's essentially like a Polaroid. It's got instant film. The film comes in packets of 10 shots. Costs, oh, about 60 cents per image. But what this is so great for when you travel is to take pictures of people that you meet to give them a picture. Because uh, you'll meet mothers who don't have any photographs of their children at all. They have none. And if you can give them a picture of their baby, Sarah can relate to this, I'm sure. (laughs) But it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. So I love taking this with me uh, in a a five- or six-day workshop. I'll burn through 50 images, 60 images or so. 
and just handing them out to people. And it is a great thing to have for breaking the ice. Isn't that cool? I mean, you hit it right on the head because you could I – mean, we talked about this because I, I, someone made that, that printer their pick of the week last week. Maybe it was me. Um, but it – you can take pictures all day long and send them to people and snap them and Instagram them and all that stuff. But when you print one and actually create a, ta- a tactile, tangible piece of art that you hand to someone, even and if you scribble on it too, it, it's just a weird kind of visceral, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain when you give someone like, especially a stranger, you know, like, hey, I just made this photo and I thought you might like it. Here you go. It just it just opens doors, right, Doug? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm often in a country where I don't speak the language of the local people, not at all. Uh, and so, you know, first of all, I get them to agree to let me take a picture of them. They don't really understand what I'm doing. I hand them the picture. They recognize it immediately as a Polaroid type of thing, and they immediately want to wave it around. I said, no, no, you don't have to do that. But wait two minutes. They usually look <laughs> at the dark side, thinking it's going to come out of the black side. But yep. once they have these pictures. They'll do anything you want. You've got them. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the greatest uh, model payment that you can imagine. And the only thing I would warn people about is do not take pictures of kids when there are lots of kids around. Because every one of them will not only want a picture of themselves, but they will want pictures of themselves with everybody else who's there. And that's yeah. a lot of film. Anyway, a lot of fun. Really fun. Love it. Love it. Great. Two great picks. How much does that thing cost, Doug? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. This is, you probably have it in front of you. This is about, what is it? $124.95. There you go. $124.95. Something like that. (laughs) And Sarah, your pick was $3,000 something (laughs) and change. Uh, I have expensive taste, Frederick. What can I say? I know, I know. San Diego and Austin people, you know. <laughs> 319999. San Diego had the but 99 cents on it apparently. She has uh, San Diego taste, but it's a very good taste. Yeah, it is uh, good taste. It is good Sarah taste. does have good taste. Good. All right. Uh I'm going to skip my pick of the week cuz you guys had two excellent picks and we're just we'll go to the show close. Sarah Fan- France, where can people go? To connect with you, we said francephotographers.com. What else? Yes, and watch out soon. We're just putting the finish, finishing touches on our new website, so that should be launching um, pretty soon. I won't put Jessica on the spot and name a date. <laughs> Not yet. Um, and, of course, you can always find us on Facebook. We have a France Photographers, and we have our individual um, sites as well. Please find me on Instagram and check out my new stories. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a great place. And definitely, we are absolutely looking for some great team members to join us. Um, currently in Austin, we are considering a, a couple other cities so Uh if you are interested in being a part of an amazing team of women um who are uh, expanding growing and learning and teaching each other and developing an amazing business together we would love to hear from you so please reach out love it love it i hear 2017 is going to be the year of the woman Mm. for a lot of reasons so i'm looking forward to 2017 very good sarah Thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on. Right. Thank you for and having Doug, me. You're welcome. Doug Kay, 
What about you, man? What's, um, well, what's on uh, your horizon? Uh, well, first of all, I'm just thrilled to be on a show with the great Sarah France. So thank right? you for that. That worked out great. Um, I was trying to keep it cool, trying to awesome. like not sound nervous awesome. or anything. Yeah, but. no, it's very cool. Uh, you can go to DougK.com to find everything. But uh, the most interesting thing is probably Cuba, as usual. I'm going in November for the workshop. That workshop is sold out. January, a few seats left. Uh, March, uh, a couple left as well. So go to tuggay.com slash workshops and come join me in Cuba. That'll be a lot of fun. Okay, Doug, I got it. Before we close it out, I got to ask you, yeah. why Cuba? There's so many other places on this little, you know, grain of sand we live on. Why Why only Cuba? When, know, why not Madagascar uh, no, or people, any place like that? People are asking me, they, I said they've asked me to go to Vietnam and places like that. Yeah. I've never been to Vietnam. So if I go, if I go to Vietnam, I'm really nothing but the eye candy. Right. <laughs> and and if I'm the eye candy, you know, you just well, said that, right? I, I did. Just that say that, that yeah. was not your inner monologue. No, no, that was. <laughs> but in Cuba, I've actually been there many times, and I know what I'm doing, and I know where to go, and I know the people. So uh, I'm actually providing more value by taking people to Cuba. But that's probably going to change. I'm probably going to branch out. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I have a question too. What? So, what is the workshop about? Like, what do what do the um, attendees learn when they're at the workshop? It's really street photography. I mean, what we're doing, if you think about what you see from Cuba, the first thing we do, we get let people photograph the cars, get that out of their system, photograph the, <laughs> the collapsing buildings, get that out of your system because they're everywhere. I mean, everybody, you know, they, they get off the bus in Cuba, off the airplane and then the bus, they say, oh, my God, look at the cars. Oh, my God, look at the crumbling buildings. And then you realize they're everywhere. <laughs> so you get past that and then you get to the people. And the, the the amazing thing about Cuba, as as most places, is the Cuban people, the spirit, uh, the energy that they have. They're such marvelous people, and I I want my students to get to know them uh, and to become comfortable photographing them. That's the main thing. So we work on that. When you first started going, one of your concerns was because I think it was right around when uh, the embargo was lifted. Um, and one of your concerns was that it was going to quickly become Americanized and yeah. lose the romanticism and the flavor of Cuba. Have you seen that so far? Well, yeah, and I've been going for quite a bit longer than that. That was only a year and a half ago that embargo was lifted. Okay. But the um, not certainly not Americanized. The problem is that it has there's so many people now wanting to go to Cuba that the infrastructure is taxed. Mm-hmm. Um, in Havana, there are no hotel rooms. You know, the, the high-end hotels, the, the, which are the good hotels, are charging, charging like six fifty a night. And if you mm-hmm. look at the cost of our workshop and you just add up the nights, we couldn't even stay in the hotels. So, you know, we're always having trouble finding places, but I've got, I've got people. I've got people yeah. in Cuba who do this for me, friends there who make all the arrangements. Much um, like I have in Vietnam. There you see? go. See, that's so, how it works. So that's it. The where you and you don't notice it too much in Havana because it's a big city. But when you get to the smaller towns, you really notice an influx of tourism. Not so much American. Most of it's British and German. Uh, but there are a lot, a lot of people that didn't used to be there. So it's 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 changing. Nice. All right. Well, thanks, Doug, for coming on again. It's good to catch up with you. Always fun. Always fun. You both were fantastic. And we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Be sure to visit both of these guys at their various sites. We'll link to all of their social, Snap, Insta, whatever's in the blog post for this episode. Um, also, be sure to visit the new TWIP school at twipschool.com. And, uh, you know, hang out at thisweekinphoto.com and subscribe to our other fantastic shows. And, of course, 
follow me on Snapchat and Instagram like uh, like Sarah. <laughs> so don't follow Doug on Snapchat because he barely uses it. It's a Snapchat graveyard over there. Snapgram, Insta Snap, Instagrams over there. All right, and if you're watching this show on YouTube, please leave us a comment, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.